Hello and welcome to Voices of Blue Scope, the podcast where we go behind the scenes of Blue Scope to meet the people who create strength every day. I'm your host, Martin Feld. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, we're exploring environmental projects at New Zealand Steel. Our participant is Claire Jewell, Project Environment Manager, who kindly sat down with me in person for a one-on-one interview at the Glenbrook site in Aotearoa, New Zealand. As you're about to hear, Claire shared her story and her experience at the intersection of environmental and social sciences, while also elaborating on projects and community engagement at New Zealand Steel, and how the company has become a kind of unexpected family business for her and her daughters. Let's shift to the conversation now. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Claire. It's great to have you on. Hi, Madam. Now, kicking us off, uh, just to start this conversation, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what your role is at New Zealand Steel? Okay, well, more recently, uh, my role has changed. So I'm now Project Environment Manager for the New Zealand Pacific Island business. So I'm based here at Glenbrook um, in in South Auckland. Prior to uh, January this year, I was leading a small uh, environment team for the same New Zealand um, Pacific Island. So that was involved about four of us generally, and we provided guidance to our business overall. The Glenbrook site, 190 hectare site, is generally which absorbed most of our time. We also have an iron sand mine, which feeds as raw material feed for Glenbrook, uh, and then uh, two small industrial sites up in Auckland City and a number of sites within the Pacific Islands. So most of our time was engaged uh, in in Glenbrook, uh, and more recently, over the last five years, we've spent considerable amount of time working with uh, external consultants, um, technical experts, in water quality and uh, air quality to apply for new consents or permits for the Glenbrook site. So a lot of interesting work, quite diverse. Um, And of course, we we needed to continue with the work that we were doing at the time. So my current role has taken uh, a little slice of that uh, role as environment manager. Um, And we are focusing on, or the business is focusing on several large projects uh, which are looking to the future of, of the business. So I have uh, some input in terms of the environmental assessment, any permitting required, uh, based on the long knowledge that I have of the site. Now with that long knowledge, yes. can you give us some background of when you started at New okay. Zealand Steel? Why or how did you end up here? Sure. So. Back in the uh, late 1980s, (laughs) I was um, finishing my undergraduate degree in geography, heading towards doing a postgraduate study in landscape architecture. So it was reasonably easy to get a job at the mill and um, having a friend working in the marketing department, she said, hey, I'll set you up to talk to the the human resources team. Um, It was probably called personnel around about that time. So I think I had, I seem to recall, I had an interview on the 
Thursday, Friday, and they said, well, can you start next week in a secretarial role supporting the project team? At that point, you know, I could type, I knew how to read a contract, you know, I knew how to format a letter. And so I provided a year's worth of support to uh, an engineering project team um, as they were in the final stages of commissioning the plant as it's currently configured. And then after that, I, I left for a while. So I was a contractor at that time. And then I, I left for a while, um, still needed to finish my undergraduate degree. I think I had a, a paper, one paper to do at that time. Um, I'd been taking it or been doing it in conjunction to get some work, work experience in, in plant nurseries and, and that sort of thing, given my path. Um, so then I came back again to earn some more money to, um, to pay for my postgraduate degree and after about a year an opportunity opened up with the process engineering team who were then providing the environmental input and the process engineering input to the Glenbrook the Glenbrook operations um, and was really fortunate when the uh, manager of that team thought that he could open up a, a graduate role for me um, with the condition that I completed a master as in environmental science. So <laughs> that's how I came to be um, at New Zealand Steel and uh, I've been given so many opportunities uh, since, since then. Um, at that time I was the uh, only full-time person in the environment role that had previously come from a, a half-time role run by an engineer. Um, they felt my skills would be useful because I had a background in social sciences, um, having completed an undergraduate degree in human geography. And yeah, so then it wasn't for another um, six years that we employed another person to support me in that role. And then it was another eight to ten years after that that we managed to get a third person uh, and then um, in the end a fourth person. So it's been a, a gradually expanding uh, team just to try and keep up with all of the work. Wow. So mm. we'll get to that growing team and that <laughs> focus on the environment here yes. in a second. I'm really interested in what you just said about having that background in human geography, but then yes. also needing to research and study environmental science. Yes. Can you tell me about the kind of crossover or nexus of those two things in your work or how they sit yes. in your mind? Yes. Because they do sound like they would complement each other yes. here. How does that work? Yeah, they definitely, they definitely complement um, each other. And it's a, it's a bit like landscape architecture. So someone might say, well, uh, why working in, in this on this particular site? How does it have a relationship to landscape architecture? Well, we've also got a 360-hectare farm operating around the industrial site. Uh, we have a landfill, um, one operating landfill and two closed landfills as well. And and they have um, having potential ecological impact and visual impact on the community. There's aspects there uh, where we're wanting to minimise the impact on our immediate neighbours and on the wider community. So in terms of a landscaping perspective, we've uh, planted the, the boundaries, we've planted riparian margins in most of the streams on the farm land that surrounds the industrial site. And then coming back um, through to the industrial site, I mentioned that we have these major resource consents to apply for. So 
my social sciences background, human geography background, gives me, uh, I suppose, a, a really good feel for the potential for impact uh, on the community, a sensitivity towards the cultural aspects, the archaeological aspects uh, of uh, an operation on a, on a site like this. So, yeah, it complements it really well. Part of the permitting process or the consent application process is that we need to identify interested or affected parties and then have conversations with them about what they perceive the issues are um, and how we might mitigate those um, within our operations. This is a great example, and I mean it, about how people can enter something like the steel or manufacturing industry with backgrounds or previous knowledge that doesn't seem to be the stereotypical fit of an operations person or an engineer. So when you brought all of this relevant knowledge in terms of the landscape, the people, environment and so on, did you still experience any kind of culture shock when you came into this industry or was there anything that you had to adjust to or was it just seamless? Yeah. No, it's, it, I think it was relatively seamless. I, I um, Not that I'd experienced industry before. I was brought up in a provincial town um, down on the east coast. Um, I spent a lot of time outdoors and on farming areas but I was just in awe of uh, the manufacturing plant, you know, loved walking through it, really enjoyed listening to the engineers explain how the process worked, how the air control equipment, the water treatment uh, and and that sort of thing. I suppose part of the benefit of me not being an engineer and having been trained as an engineer but having, I seem to be able to pick it up and absorb it quite well is that I became the intermediary so that I could go and explain it um, to external parties whether it's the council or the neighbours, the local community or even to others um, that might work in services areas who, who never even really have a touch point in, in the manufacturing. So um, communication is a, is a big part of the environmental role. And you would work also closely with communications as well? Yes, yes, yes. In terms of in terms of external communications, one of the one of the first, one of my earlier questions, which I, I relate this as a story, is like, so so what do, what do we do around the environment? And this was when I was still working for the project team, and I was handed about a page and a half of typed up text, and it explained that you know the, this is the industrial site, and we treat water, and we treat we treat air, and and we've got a lot of monitoring in place and we're very sensitive to the to the community's um, needs and, and wishes and and that sort of thing and then and then from there I was given this task well how about we we fill that out a whole lot more um, we used to get questions almost weekly from secondary school students or uni students and they'd ask a question and I'm thinking if I reply to that I'm just going to answer your do your assignment for you so we wrote a whole series um, with an external public wrote a whole series of fact sheets, um, part of which are still on our um, external website now, uh, and that just helped explain all of the complexities around managing uh, an industrial site like this, um, and then our mining mine site as well. Mm. And you've mentioned through a lot of the things that you've explained to me, not only some of the projects that you've done, Yes. you also said that the topic of the environment also the team around that has grown here what's that been like since that has expanded and that focus has increased 
The, well, the focus has increased from externally in terms of regulation. Um, our scope has increased some, somewhat as well. When, when we have to apply for resource consents, it's a very uh, intense process. It's, it's, it's outside of your normal operations. The business has also, you know, very recently, well, not very recently, but in my tenure, you know, so the last 10, 15 years, there's been an accelerated focus on, on making further improvements and big step changes and an example of that is um, we'd, we'd focused on diverting waste from landfill as much as possible but through um, from about 2010 through to 2022 we've managed to substantially reduce the waste going to, to landfill by either recovering that material back into our process, finding an economic uh, and a safe way of recovering that material. So we've, we've reduced waste to landfill by about 20% in, in that time frame. So there's a substantial amount of effort and some input from the environment team is, is useful um, and important in that, in that process as well. There's been quite a focus on uh, improving our water quality, reducing the amount of water that we use, uh, and also a focus on reducing uh, emissions um, and energy efficiency. So that, that's increased the scope, it's increased the focus from the manufacturing plant, um, and we can provide some support to those teams. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, this is more of a New Zealand-specific question, yes. maybe, uh, and I'm interested to know what you think because you have that expertise or that background knowledge mm. in geography and yeah. the environment. <laughs> Coming from Australia, I know that when you, you know, enter Australia through the airport, you've got your quarantine considerations. Yes. You've got the same thing in New Zealand, yes. protecting biodiversity and, and landscape. For people who haven't visited New Zealand before and they might be wondering what's it like, can you give an idea of maybe what sets this environment apart or what's special about the surrounds here or the industry that, that is embedded here? What would you tell people about New Zealand? Oh, New Zealand as a whole, we're, I mean, geo geographically it's very diverse. Um, you know, right from uh, southern, um, the southern part of the South Island, which are probably the imagery most people see with the, 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 you know, the southern Alps and Mount Cook um, and the beautiful fjords, and that's quite a distinctive landscape. Um, I'm told it's not too dissimilar to perhaps to Scotland or even Switzerland and those, those sorts of places. Coming right through the central, uh, central plateau um, in the northern island, you know, a massive crater lake, Lake Taupo, um, quite um, distinctive volcanoes. A lot of coastline around New Zealand, so all of us, I think, are within two hours of the coastline. Doesn't matter where we live, if we're in the centre of the island. And then coming right through here to Auckland, where we're on an, an isthmus, and we've got you know not far. If you can stand up um, somewhere on a high, a highish hill, you can virtually see both um, both coastlines. So um, we're a sub subtropical um, uh, area. Uh, we can be quite lush uh, bush. Um, and so good, good growing conditions and very green, which is probably quite quite distinctive from from Australia or many parts of Australia anyway. Yeah. And whenever you've travelled, is there some particular aspect of New Zealand, human or natural, that yes. you've missed or that you think sets this place apart? Um, sets this place apart. Well, I suppose because it's home, I miss the people, <laughs> and just I suppose the more the simplicity of of, of the way we live. Yeah, I, I just. Uh, the spaces I really enjoy. Um, uh, you know, Glenbrook is not far from the Auckland CBD, but you know, I 
more recently have been telling people that I've probably been into the CBD three times in the last three to three and a half years because it's it's just easier not to get caught in the traffic and get involved in the hubbub of, of Auckland City. I'd rather head south, much further south, um, and just spend some time out in rural areas or in national parks. And uh, you mentioned this is your home, yes. so you have those feelings of home. Yes. Um, what can you tell me about family or maybe involvement in industry or over the last um, 13 months I now have uh, our two daughters uh, working at the at New Zealand Steel so they um, you know I was obviously had them while I was uh, while I was working at New Zealand Steel I had short periods of time where I was off on maternity leave but it just never occurred to me while they were little or even going through high school that they um, that they would end up uh, working here at New Zealand Steel. Our youngest daughter had the opportunity for work experience as she's well, she's quite academic, got to uh, her final year of school, um, wasn't quite sure what she wanted to do. I was talking to the managers down in um, the steel serve, which manages our big uh, equipment, moving the molten, uh, molten steel and, and, and the steel slabs and billet around the, around the place. Um, and they said, oh, hey, how about she come and have a week's work experience she'd like to spend a few days with the fitters and a few days with the um, mechanics so I lent her a pair of my overalls because she's she's not very big and still didn't have have spare small overalls and uh, after the first two days she came back to my office and she was smiling away she'd spent a couple of days with the fitters and she was enjoying herself even though she was a bit bit reticent about coming to you know work experience do I have to mum you know I was like yes you have to (laughs) I've set this up now you know they've opened up this opportunity and then the 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 third and the third and fourth and fifth day you know she'd come back to my office and she's got long blonde hair down to her waist she's taller than me though uh, being a younger generation she had this pair of overalls on which you couldn't see the high vis anymore she was black on the front and the back grease in her hair and she had this massive smile on her face she said this is what I want to do and you know so this is coming from someone who I just had no expectation that she would do that but quietly I shouldn't be surprised she she would do woodworking at home she was always into trying to fix things but but she was also into sewing and fashion and 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 making things so um yeah, so she, she joined the Steel Surf team in January 2022. Um, and then about the middle of uh, last year, our, our eldest daughter uh, had seen a, an ad- advertisement come up for assistant brand manager within our marketing team. And she had completed in 2021 uh, an event management course there was a lot of business papers in that she had a particular interest in in marketing and after having spent a good 12 months working ridiculous hours in the hospitality industry being responsible for in some cases at events to 300 people uh, having her bar manager's license so she had to be really responsible for those people she she really wanted to try for this opportunity but she hadn't completed a marketing degree Um, went through the interview process and obviously the team were um, could see some attributes in her and, and gave her the opportunity to move into that role. Uh, and she's now working towards completing her marketing degree while she's working with the Carl Steel team. Hmm. 
Wow. So did you ever see New Zealand still as a potential family business? No. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. maybe more generations to come. Oh, po- possibly. Possibly. If we're, um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Woku, the, the local area, you know, not which is not far away from, from Glenbrook, there, there are multiple um, families who have had um, generations come, come through here. And you can travel through uh, New Zealand and, and sometimes people go, oh, where are you from? And typically a lot of us in Auckland don't say, we're from Auckland because you'll get the oh no it's, it's the Auckland people so we go I'm from Waiuku and it's quite surprising the number of people who go oh yeah I know where that is you know town of about 6,000 people on the west coast overshadowed by the big city and then people will often go oh I had you know such and such worked or my cousin worked there or do you know you know this is 1,100 people no I don't know them all here so yeah so it's um it's not uncommon for this area but it was not expected for for our family because we hadn't um hadn't been brought up in Waiuku we my husband and I moved here um for me to get work opportunities in, in, in Auckland look what it's brought yeah exactly wonderful well I think this has been really good and I think people listening to your story will um will take a lot not just about what you've said about the environment but also just the people in this area so thank you very much for sharing your story it's been great to chat great thanks Matt it was a pleasure to meet and speak with Claire we appreciate that she gave her time and we hope that you enjoyed her story and insights for further information about what you just heard make sure to view the links and show notes in your web browser or podcast app. To learn more about our ongoing global work in sustainability, make sure to visit our sustainability reporting suite at bluescope.com or subscribe to our updates on LinkedIn or at TV Bluescope on YouTube. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Bluescope podcast. It's always great to have you with us.